Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis podcast, episode number three. My name is Matthew Newts. Uh, on Twitter at Nasty Newts, N E U T Z. Uh, with me today, writer for Dynasty Nerds, uh, one the one and only Joshua Adkins. Uh, Josh, you can be found on Twitter at our podcast handle at Dynasty Oasis. How are you doing tonight, Josh? Doing awesome. Uh, first week of the NFL season is in the books, and uh, well, it didn't go quite as well in some of my leagues as I'd like to hope. Uh, it's just week one, so let's uh, let's hope for better weeks down the road. How'd your leagues go? Uh, actually, really well. Off to a good start, pretty much in all my leagues. Um, in a little bit of tr- trouble in a guillotine league that I'm in, but I should be all right as long as Derek Henry does his job tonight. But for the most part, really happy about my fantasy leagues. I can't say the same about my eliminator league. Uh, the Colts really hurt my feelings. So yeah, probably you and everybody else, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm guessing a large percentage of that league's already dropped, but. <laughs> But all in all, really exciting week one. Uh, really happy with uh, football being back, obviously. Uh, we nerded out to some football all weekend long, and that's why we're here today. We're going to talk to you about all these games, what we saw, what we learned, what we didn't learn quite yet. Um, really excited to to get this done, um, talk about some games finally. It's been a long off season, just waiting for football to be back, and fortunately it's here. Yeah, I thought that was one thing that was interesting. You know, you mentioned we, we've we've kind of waited a long time. We had no preseason here, um, so it was it was kind of what uh, what part of these coaches uh, talk on, leading up to this season uh, was sort of subterfuge and what what was real. Um, you know, I think one thing that you know J.K. Dobbins listed as the number four running back on the depth chart. I, I don't think that's going to be the case uh, moving forward after kind of uh, what happened in that game this weekend. That was fun to see. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly not fourth on their depth chart, and that would have been one thing I would have told anyone with ears is take everything you read about camp fodder with a massive grain of salt, uh, even in a normal year, but this year, especially all these coaches like Belichick and Zimmer from here are going to, you know, say whatever they can to try and get some sort of competitive advantage. So I don't think preseason fodder is your best source for information, but it's, you know, something we all hear and pay attention to. Maybe we listen to it if it supports our opinions already, but but yeah, I'm glad all that that time of the year is over with. Certainly. So we're sitting here, and uh, looks like Pittsburgh, New York, just wrapped up. Uh, not uh, exactly the most thrilling game, but uh, was fun to see Big Ben uh, and and his wide receiving core back in action. Uh, how much of this have you been able to catch, and what's uh, caught your eye? Yeah, I've uh, pretty much watched this whole game. Um, was trying to cram in some last minute uh, film from the. Sunday games while watching, so my attention wasn't always 100% on this game, but uh, certainly um, Ben looked a little shaky early, but it seemed like he kind of shook off the cobwebs and looked like pretty much the same old Ben. James Conner went down early with an injury, so um, I was fading him hard, so it doesn't really affect me personally, but for all the James Conner owners, it's got to be really concerning, especially with how good Benny Snell looked tonight. Yeah, he did. He looked really good. Ran with some power. Um, I was actually, I, we kind of, you know, I've been talking pre-podcast, and I, we looked up the stat line, and we both kind of went, wow, really? 
uh, over 100 yards. He's uh, He's been impressive. Juju's looked really good. Yeah, that was um, great to see. Deontay had some struggles early, but even he kind of shook off the cobwebs late. I think I don't remember who hit Roethlisberger early in the game. Um, I think maybe it was Dexter Lawrence, but got a big hit on him early in the game. And I think after that, it felt like he uh, sort of relaxed and realized, okay, it's just football, and uh, kind of got back to business. It was it was good to see. I, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Big Ben fan in, in the world, but I guess I didn't want to see him leaving uh, against Seattle, clutching his elbow. So, uh, yeah, it was good to see. I'm not a huge Big Ben, Big Ben supporter either, but um, I certainly don't want to see another year of Duck Hodges. And uh, I'm already forgetting the other guy from last year's name, uh, uh, Mason guy, Rudolph. Mason yeah. Rudolph, yeah, yeah. So uh, this offense is vastly more interesting with him as a quarterback. So let's hope he can stay healthy, just for Juju owner's sake and. And uh, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and the like. So, yeah, uh, promising to see him back makes that team way more interesting than they were last year. Um, one thing we talked about doing before we start on game recaps is uh, kind of our one big takeaway for this weekend's slate of games. I know you said you had something you definitely were prepared for. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the games? Well, yeah, and it'll it'll kind of lead us into uh, the, one of the first matchups we're going to do. Um, I know I talked uh, talked up as my one big thing to watch for in the Vikings Packers matchup in our Thursday show was was I'm just so excited to watch Irv Smith and how he gets uh, integrated into this offense now that there's no digs and they kind of need what he provides. Uh, in a shootout, to see him get one target and it not come until almost into the fourth quarter. Uh, was incredibly uh, uh, depressing for not only fan- my fantasy teams, but also just for, you know, I'm a big fan of Irv Smith. And um, right. I'm critical of a lot of things that the Vikings did in this game. We can talk about that coming up. But uh, yeah, we'll I was maybe right most, into that. yeah, uh, well, yeah, why don't we do that then? Um, the Vikings got just lambasted by Aaron Rodgers and this Packers team. Um First time Rodgers, and maybe the only time Rodgers will ever get to see U.S. Bank that quiet. And boy, um, yeah, let's if, there was, so. if there was one big takeaway from that game, it's that some of these elite quarterbacks are going to be able to use this essentially 16 neutral fields to their advantage. Uh, and Rodgers really did in this one. And um, despite MVS trying to uh, drop every ball that came his way, it really didn't matter. Rodgers was just utterly brilliant in this game. Uh, you want to step in here? I mean, what did you kind of see? Well, that actually kind of pairs in perfectly with what I was going to have as my biggest takeaway from the weekend was just the ambiance of football. Um, the lack of a real crowd out there, I think actually had a, had a bigger effect than maybe some thoughts um, as far as on the field. The Vikings, I think more than just about any other team, needed the fans on their side. And not having that noise to mess with Rodgers' rhythm, uh, I think really affected their defense. And if you think about it from a psychological standpoint, it would be hard to play defense without that that roar behind you. You need that to kind of boost your adrenaline to get you jacked when you're tired, you know, and they certainly were tired. They were on the field for 
eighty percent of the first half. I so. think the total time of possession ended up being forty two to like eighteen Minnesota. It yeah, was basically two to one for time of possession. And you, you're not gonna win many games no, like that. That's unsustainable. Um, so for me that I think the lack of crowd noise is gonna affect defenses quite a bit. Uh, especially when they're getting dogged like that in time of possession. They're just gonna I don't know. I don't want to say give up, but it's going to be really hard to get that second wind. Was there any particular part of the defense? Because I think that was the most disappointing thing as a Vikings fan, seeing this defense just get shelled like that. Was was it the secondary to you? Was it the lack of pass rush? I mean, I think we can both agree Eric Kendricks came to play. Uh, yeah, he's a stud. But, beyond um, that, who impressed you, and who you who do you think cost us uh, more than so more so than maybe others? Well, and I think it's people get a little too carried away when they just trash the secondary or when they just trash the defensive line. There's a real marriage between your pass rush and your uh, coverage units. Um, one can't really do their job without at least some help from the other. So when the corners are just on an island forever, when Aaron Rodgers can you know break dance and do a moonwalk and do a couple of front flips and then decide who he wants to throw to, especially these young corners, they ain't going to have a chance in hell to, to stick with Devonte Adams for very long. So I think the lack of a pass rush certainly kind of buried the corners out there. They didn't really have a chance, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen a better game out of Holton Hill. Um, he seemed to get picked on a lot, but hard to blame anyone for having a tough time against Devonte Adams when he, Aaron Rodgers has all day and is in, dialed in like he was. So yeah, I, I mean, so I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you. No, off. I thought okay. Mike Hughes had his struggles too. Really, the only one that I thought looked particularly good was Dantzler. But you, you hit it right on the nose. Any corner is going to look bad five seconds into a route, um, and we got almost no pressure on Rodgers. Uh, and Gakwe needed tape or something at some point. I don't know if he tweaked an injury, but yeah, uh, he didn't seem like he was uh, getting any. Any pass rush. Uh, I really worry about whether or not this Vikings front can can generate pass. I'm more so than I worry about whether or not we can cover people down the road. I'm I'm uh, I'm more discouraged about the Vikings than I have been in a long time, and that hurts to say. Yeah, I agree. And uh, fortunately, we have fantasy football if this becomes right. a long year. But but yeah, I, for me, the the secondary isn't the main concern. It is the pass rush. How serious is Daniil Hunter's injury? Because they sure need him back in a bad way. I think we need to be a little patient on Yannick. Yannick excuse me. Um, I think he'll kind of give us a jolt in the arm once he gets a little more situated, but he had to go against Bakhtiari all night. That's not a good time for any pass rusher. So yeah, um, hopefully Daniel Hunter's back week four and things kind of get figured out. But uh, yeah, they certainly need a pass rusher. Else those corners are going to look bad all year, whether it's their fault or not. But um, I think we just both needed to vent a little bit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We, and I hope, we're not, I hope we're giving enough credit to the Packers because they came, no, they they came deserve to play. It. Absolutely. They, they beat up on us. This, this game is very much as much about um, that defense and Aaron Rodgers looking, you know, like a guy who could contend for MVP this year. Um, I thought it was interesting yeah. to see DeGuara uh, come in and get some get some touches and get some snaps. Um, so uh, I, I hope we're not glossing over what a good performance it was by the Packers. But it was incredibly disappointing as a Vikings fan. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. We needed to vent a little bit on that one. Should should we move forward? 
Uh, I do actually kind of want to give the Packers a little bit of credit as well. I know you just kind of said a lot of what I wanted to touch on. But, yeah, I mean, we're so accustomed to the Vikings being a dominant defensive unit. I I think we're a little upset about just how poorly they performed yesterday. But Aaron Rodgers was truly in vintage form, super motivated from the Jordan Love pick. He looked as good as I've seen him look in a very long time. And I think Devontae Adams, in my mind, has elevated himself as the best wide receiver in the NFL. But, yeah, with that being said, I think think we we can move on to the to the slate of game the slate of games that we saw and uh first on the docket we got Seahawks Falcons this is a game that you watched and I haven't personally seen yet Uh, I do plan on watching every game but this is one that I haven't had a chance to watch yet so I'll kind of let you take lead on this one yeah so uh, a high scoring affair here obviously a lot of uh, fantasy goodness whether it's Julio Jones Calvin Ridley um Todd Gurley looked really, really good, uh, kind of vintage Todd early. Uh, we can get into it a little bit later. He kind of lost some of his steam as we went down the road. Um, but really, this game is about Russell Wilson. Um, one of his better performances that I've seen, um, 31 for 34. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I believe that was the final line. Uh, four touchdowns. 31 he, or 35, but close okay. enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah, close enough. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, he moved the pocket. He 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 rolled. I mean, he just has such a innate ability to just keep, keep plays active, and he can throw off any platform and uh, actually really should have been 32 for 35 because one of the incompletions hit DK Metcalf right on the numbers. Um, and that's not to disparage DK. He had a great game here too. Um, beaten, I forget it. Maybe it was AJ Terrell down the sidelines there. Um, heck of a play there. Um, Julio is, is, you know, looks like he's in peak form right now. Um, defensively, Jamal Adams gave, uh, the, the Seahawks a real shot in the arm. Um, playing down in the box, he he broke up a couple passes on Julio, uh, had a sack, had a forced fumble, I believe. Um, he was all over the place. Um, and despite, I guess, uh, one uh, one guy, I guess, that, that fantasy owners like that I've not been super high on was Hayden Hurst. Uh, did make a really nice diving catch early in the game, but just didn't seem involved, didn't seem like Ryan had his eye um just wasn't getting open a lot um do you have any reactions on this game i know you you know you don't you didn't have a chance to rewatch it but obviously you're watching everything on sunday like everybody else uh what were some of your takeaways well um i more just had a few questions for you than reactions sure. um yeah one thing I wanted to kind of get your take on, because he certainly filled the stat sheet, uh, was the debut of Jamal Adams. I know you kind of touched on it. Uh, Stuff the stat sheet, but how involved was he in their game plan? How did he look on tape? Like, did he dominate in your eyes as much as the stats would indicate? Absolutely. He was absolutely everywhere. He was one of the, the for sure, the standouts of the game. Um, just looks like he really wants to to play for a contract like he's happy to be there um and i think actually we brought it up on the the last show um he's could potentially be the reason they kind of get back to the legion of boom and uh yeah right. he had a whale of a game he was the box score did not lie on this one jamal adams was absolutely everywhere 
Yeah, and the Seahawks definitely gave up a lot to bring him in. Uh, I know a lot of you probably don't play in leagues with IDP scoring, but uh, we are in one, and mm-hmm. he was on my opponent's team, and that wasn't fun <laughs> for right. me. He so, a, yeah, okay. but yeah, I think he was about the perfect piece for for that that defense. What they really needed was a guy like him, and for them to get him was a pretty big coup. Even though it took two first rounders, I think they make that trade ten times out of ten, and. I'm pretty, he, pretty thrilled he, about it. He fits really, really well there. Um, I think the other guy we got to make sure to touch on was Calvin Ridley. Um, obviously, Yeah, he was going to actually be my next question. Yeah, okay. Massive, massive stat line here. Um, certainly, you can't take anything away from him. But uh, on the, touch, the first touchdown he had, um, Jamal Adams actually really in the lone bad play that I saw was driving hard to get to a out route on Hayden Hurst, had man coverage. And as him and uh, I believe it was either McDougal or uh, Shaq Griffin, as they crossed, they got tangled up and both fell down. Uh, Ryan could have probably dropped it to Hurst on that play and he would have been able to backpedal into the end zone. So um, uh, basically a blown coverage or two guys colliding was the reason he was able to get that first touchdown. Um, and actually, you know, aside from running really crisp routes all day and filling up the sheet, he did have one critical drop on a fourth down out route um, where he, he would have been able to get his feet inbounds. He got two hands on the ball and just wasn't able to corral it. Um, so simply don't I don't want to pour any cold water on Calvin Ridley because heck of a day um, for a young player that I think we're all excited to see, you know, starting to put up some of the numbers we've been hoping for. Um, but did have that uh, that drop and and like I said his 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 route wasn't really something that he did great it was two defenders sure. tripping over each other essentially so um, when it's fair to make those distinctions because a lot of people aren't able to watch every single play of every single game sometimes people just look at stat lines and kind of get blown away from a stat line sometimes the stats don't tell the whole story that's why we watch the tape for you guys. Right, and his second touchdown was a clean touchdown. He found a nice open spot in the zone um, late, late in the game, though, and it was kind of, the game was pretty much out of hand here for uh, Atlanta, and uh, certainly not a touchdown you could take away from Ridley, but um, it would be fun to see this Atlanta offense do some of this from from ahead, you know? Um, 100%. And I, I don't want to spend too much time on this game, um, but one thing that's got to be a little bit frustrating, or maybe not even frustrating, but just kind of bittersweet is how Julio Jones just consistently puts up big box scores, but it's always missing one thing, the touchdowns. Can't why do you think that zone. is? You know, why, I don't, why does a guy like him have so much trouble scoring touchdowns? I've tried to figure this one out so many times because it's certainly not a issue with, you know, he's not a good build or he's not good in contested catches or in short areas. I mean, he's good at all those things. So it just seems to me like it's an anomaly. Um, I don't think they, 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 he doesn't seem like an egotistical wide receiver to me. And so I don't think no, they need all. to feed him at the goal line the way some some of these wide receivers, you know, if if the the team takes eight goal line trips and doesn't give him a, 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 a at least one chance, they're going to start complaining about it. I think Julio is just out there to catch a bunch of passes, churn out yards, and 
Um, he seems to get tackled inside the five an awful lot, but I don't have a good explanation for it. It's just one of those fantasy football anomalies, I guess I would say. And uh, one thing I wanted to bring up before we move on is we're not doing these games in a particular order based on our interest in them. We're basically just running right down the schedule line, going game by game, just so if you're curious when we're going to get to the Bucks and Saints or something like that, right. we're we're going uh, just going game game by game down the down the box score list. So uh, that's why they're in the order they're in, and that's why this game is up next: the Jets and the Bills. Uh, this is actually a game that I drafted in our our pick'em game, where we choose which games we're going to recap. So Josh hasn't uh, had a chance to watch this game. I have not. Uh, tell me that the box or that the film was better than the box score on on the two Buffalo running backs. We're both big fans of. Well, I'm not a big Devin Singletary fan. Oh, you're not? I okay. Big, no, you, you, I well, was, we're both Zach Moss fans. I'll, yeah, yeah, okay. I was I was super high on Zach Moss uh, all offseason leading up to my drafts. He was kind of a must target for me in most of my leagues. I, I wanted as many shares of Zach Moss as I could have. Um, he did score a touchdown, so the box score isn't a complete dud like it would have been without that touchdown. Um wasn't blown away by him, but I wasn't discouraged either. Um, I think it's going to be a real up and down year for these rookies. So I'm not going to panic on Zach Moss, but Devin Singletary didn't do anything to like steal that job from Zach Moss. But the thing that does concern me, if I have big shares of Moss, which I do, or if I had big shares of Singletary, which I don't, but others certainly do, um, is the running of Josh Allen. Um, he had almost as many carries as Moss and Singletary combined. And I think everyone went into this year assuming Moss would kind of take that goal line role from Frank Gore, who had that role last year. Um, but I'm a little concerned that that's going to be Josh Allen's job uh, on a lot of bootleg play action type stuff. He may lead that team in not only carries, well, probably not carries, but I bet he leads that team in rushing touchdowns. And he's going to have more rushing yards than at least one of those two guys. Um, but there were some concerning things with his running um, from yesterday's game is he does not seem to control the ball very well when he's approaching contact. He gets a little too relaxed with the protecting the football. He fumbled twice, lost both of them. And then realistically he could have fumbled a few more times just watching how he was holding the ball um so i think i'm sure that's something his coaching staff has noticed and i'm sure it's something they've been working on with him but i think he almost gets too competitive for his own good when he's running the ball where he lets kind of his mechanics drift away and just tries to fight for unnecessary yards so i would be a little bit concerned if i had Josh Allen shares is this guy might get hurt. This guy might just become a turnover machine. And there are times where watching him as a quarterback passing, he reminds me of a young Aaron Rodgers. And there are times where he reminds me of a young Spurgeon win. So <laughs> he, he just has a few throws every game where it's like, what the hell were you thinking? Like he overthrew John Brown wide open in the end zone. And it wasn't even close. Like the ball, John Brown would have had to have been at least three times the height that he is to have caught that ball. Was so, a lot of his were, were a lot of the running plays read option or were these just uh, passing plays where he takes off? 
Um, there was a mixture. Uh, a few of them are, I'd say probably half of them were hundred percent designed runs. And then half of them were just him scrambling, trying to keep a play alive. So, uh, I don't think the game plan necessarily was to run him 14 times, but I think if, I think that kind of thing could become commonplace, uh, if the receivers are struggling to get open or if, uh, if he just kind of feels the pressure in his mind, I think he's going to probably average around 10 carries a game. It would be my guess. Wow. Well, then he'll um, have some uh, big fantasy weeks, I would imagine. And I did have one note about Stefan Diggs. Um, I think it's worth uh, paying attention to the change of home field from U.S. Bank Stadium to uh, whatever they renamed the Bills Stadium to. Is He's going from artificial turf to some pretty shoddy real grass. Like I saw a lot of plays where people lost their footing. And for a guy who's such a precise route runner like Diggs is, there were two times where I saw him trying to make a quick cut where the grass underneath his foot just gave out on him and he kind of fell to the ground. So that may affect him in kind of a negative way worth paying attention to considering he plays half of his games in that field. I was not really thrilled with the condition of that field, especially have having not even had a game played on it yet. So well, and both maybe, Miami and new England are also uh, right. He's going to be playing are, a lot of games on natural grass. And I think yeah. that might affect him more than your straight line runners. So um, maybe his, uh, Catch toll doesn't increase like we thought without him competing with Thielen for targets. And one guy that actually really, really did impress me a ton was John Brown. He was he I saw him open probably quite a few more times than Diggs. And I I'll be honest, like I haven't really paid a ton of attention to him over the years when he was on some bad Cardinals teams and a couple of bad Bills teams where I just wasn't watching a ton of John Brown. But he definitely surprised me yesterday as being a guy that I was really impressed by with his uh, route running ability, just getting open all the time. I thought he really shined yesterday, so that was good to see. As far as the Jets side of things go, uh, not a whole lot to talk about. I think they were three and out for like four of their first five drives. So really boring, probably the least interesting team in the NFL, to be honest, like, especially with Le'Veon Bell getting hurt and just mostly sucking. Um, I, I don't think his injury is too serious, but yeah, not a team. I'm definitely probably going to ever pick again to break down by choice. So the lone bright spot was Jamison Crowder. Uh, a lot of his yardage came off of one play though. So like we kind of talked about earlier, it was a really nice play that he made, but take that away. It's kind of a meh game for him too. So yeah, it could uh, be think, a long season for Jets fans, unfortunately looking at what I yeah, saw. Yep. And I, uh, I don't envy them. Uh, it's going to be a tough team to watch this year. Um, I do plan on trying to watch every snap of every game this year, so I might have to might have to suffer through a few more Jets games this year, unfortunately. I, but uh, I hear you. And, you know, this seemed like another game that uh, people had to suffer through. Um, I did see a little bit of it on Game Pass, but once again, this was one that uh, you chose to, to take or that I guess I sort of left you with. Um, so bears lions, I saw Mitch Trubisky make a couple throws that, uh, made him look like a superstar. And then a couple that could have been intercepted by four or five guys and, and potentially were, uh, what did you see out of this game? Anything interesting that we can take away from either the bears or the lions? 
Well, this is, I don't think, anywhere near the final forms of either one of these teams' uh, offenses. I think both teams are going to look quite a bit differently as we get into week 8, 9, 10. I just, I've seen enough from Mitchell Trubisky over the past three years to know that he's not good. And yeah, yeah there are times where he flashes, but if you're an NFL quarterback that was talented enough to be drafted early in the first round, you're going to have moments where you flash I just think he's too broken mentally by all the Mahomes and Watson (laughs) comparisons and all the trash talk he must get on social media on a daily basis from his fan base he's got to be living a pretty miserable life for a millionaire um Uh, yeah I don't envy him I I would yeah no I certainly trade spots with him (laughs) in a second but uh you're 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 not wrong, but we can still make fun of him to feel better about ourselves. <laughs> it's okay, fair enough, fair but enough. But no, he did actually look pretty good in the second half. Uh, How about I'm not going to tell you to run to your by Anthony Miller. Yeah, no, he's a guy that I've always liked more than the community Same. has. Um, I've just never I've always been... it because of Trubisky. That's 100% the same for me. Is It's so hard to want to reach out and grab an Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller when you know you're just stuck watching Mitchell freaking <laughs> Trubisky. It's so frustrating. And I don't want to rag on him too hard because he did actually play pretty well in that second half. Like, you could see some flashes and, you know, there was some positive things to take away, but I am not going to recommend you go to your waiver wire and pick up Mitchell Trubisky. I just can't do that, and I no. probably will never do that. It's, uh, one it's of the... So- I'm sorry, I was I was going to cut you off. It's a real shame DeAndre Swift dropped that ball because I think he bought oh, yeah, himself that... at least two more weeks of starting by winning this game, unfortunately. So uh, buckle yeah, in, we're heart... going to see some more Mitch. Your heart kind of breaks for the kid. Dropping that pass would have been yeah. a game-winning touchdown, really cemented his debut nicely. Um, Adrian Peterson, un- unfortunately for Swift, and Swift owners looked pretty, pretty young, looked pretty darn good for uh for adrian um having i mean he he flashed quite a bit with washington but he looked good i'm not gonna lie and uh as a guy who's watched a lot of adrian peterson football over the years i was pretty impressed by him i thought he was a little more cooked than that so good to see ap but not good to see if you're a swifter carry on johnson owner just a muddied backfield that i don't think we're gonna find clarity on for a while um, one of my to, before I stray from the Bears, uh, one of my hot takes before the season um, was that by the end of the year, Cordero Patterson was going to be their lead running back. And I'm telling you, he looks good every time he carries the ball out of the I, backfield. I do not understand why a team hasn't tried making him a full time running back yet because he is. N- Never going to be there as a receiver. What is there to lose at this point? I don't yeah, get it either. Yeah, what is there to lose? He can, he can still be your return man, but give exactly. the guy some carries. He's, it's yeah. basically like he's out in open field. Like He's not going to run a good route. He's not going to catch the ball, but he could probably run good running back routes. Yes. And he just looks electric with the ball in his hands. That's never been the question. So just give him the ball and let him run. Like I think he's better than David Montgomery and I don't know if that's crazy to say but he just looks way more effective as a running back than he ever did as a receiver and I think it'd be worth a try to give that man 15 carries a game every once in a while um few other points I wanted to make before we move on from this game I I think we were all pretty happy to see TJ Hawkinson flash uh had a really good debut last year but kind of faded down the stretch I think uh 
with any tight end, you don't want to overreact to early struggles. One of the tougher positions to translate from college to the NFL. So it's certainly good to see him running some really good routes and making some big catches for them. Uh, it was good to see Quintez Cephas, one of our favorite. Um, yeah, absolutely. Kind of late round flyers, uh, get some play. I was uh, impressed by him on his action. Uh, did have 10 targets, only caught three passes, but not really his fault for um, not connecting on the seven. Um, I think it was a mixture of some, you know, good coverage and How about overthrows. Marvin and Jones uh, just running over that rookie, oh, uh, the kid yeah, from Utah. Yeah, he straight up trucked to Jalen Johnson. Um, That's it. Thank young you. cornerback, rude awakening into the NFL. That was uh, that was pretty funny. I I kind of did a a gasp when I saw that. I felt bad for the kid, but he got just destroyed by Marvin Jones. So that was just entertaining. On a, on a general note, I thought the hitting and the tackling and everything this week looked really really good. Certainly, there was mistakes and. You know, a lot of rookies playing their first game ever, and I feel like we've got a lot starting in the league. I don't know what the percentage is comparative to normal years, but um, I do feel like a lot were, you know, so there was some sloppy play, but all in all, guys were out there popping pads. Uh, it was a fun weekend. Um, so the next game we got, I'm sorry, did you have anything else on the uh, the Lions no, there before was, we move on? I was just going to transition off of it myself, so let's go ahead and uh, move on to Cam Newton and his debut with the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch this one yet, but I certainly plan on watching this one sooner rather than later, so I'll, I'll probably get this one in tomorrow after work, but you did watch it. Uh, tell me what you saw. How did you like Cam's? How'd you like Cam's debut there? Excuse me. Well, I, I I don't know how long it can last because he did take a few hits. It, it did seem like there was a conscious effort on his part to not uh, run into every tackle, but at the same time, um, ran the ball a lot, a lot of designed runs, and it, it worked. They've, I mean, give Josh McDaniels a lot of credit. Give this New England coaching staff a lot of credit they do this every year they take the personnel that they have and they come out with the best game plan they can um and it, it worked today um cam was nearly perfect in the passing game because the defense was so concerned about his legs and what he could do in that regard um both julian edelman and Nikhil harry were involved i there wasn't a ton of other action um ryan Izzo had one big play down the middle um, but I think the other pertinent thing to talk about here from the Patriots side is this is a backfield rotation. Um, uh, first and foremost, it's a backfield rotation, but it's a rotation that has some some good players in it. I thought Sony uh, looked healthy, at least. He's not the most spry player ever, but I think he looked good. He scored a touchdown. Uh, James White seems like he hasn't lost his involvement now with no Tom Brady. He he was out there for his normal complement of snaps, got plenty of targets, t- plenty of touches, um, and kind of a sneaky guy, uh, especially if one of these guys were to get hurt, um, even with Damian Harris coming back, was J.J. Taylor. Uh, was J.J. a rookie this year? Or was he last year? I forget. I think he was a rookie this year out of Arizona. Um, yeah, hey, I'm uh... – not sure. Sorry. Anywho, anywho, he looked really, really good. And, he, you know, I've heard comps to Deion Lewis and, and it looked kind of similar um, from a Miami uh, point of view. 
they also went with a pretty heavy backfield rotation. Um, Howard got all the touches early, then basically didn't see the field for the better part of two and a half quarters before getting some goal line reps at the end. For some reason, Patrick Laird is still involved in this offense. Don't ask me why. Uh, Miles yeah, Gaskin. Yeah, Miles Gaskin actually looked fairly good. Um, a guy to kind of maybe monitor in deeper leagues, or you know, I'm sure he's out there in redraft waiver wires uh, if you're in a PPR league. Um, and a guy that I liked, Matt Breida, barely saw any touches. Uh, looked okay in the touches he got, but um, this is a this is a pair of four-headed committees. Uh, not surprisingly, because that's the New England way, and Flores is out of that tree. Um, aside right. from that, um, on Miami side, Parker got hurt. Um, and that meant Preston Williams got Stefan Gilmore uh, the rest yeah, of the second half. And that's not, yeah, for a guy coming off an ACL who I do like a heck of a lot as a talent. Um, tough Me matchup to, to start the season out with. You, you're in agreement. You we're both Preston Williams fans, aren't we? Yeah, I was uh, in the stock market making some Preston Williams trades all offseason, so... <laughs> Um, aside from that, uh, I don't have a heck of a lot else on this game. Uh, this, this Cam Newton offense is going to be tough to stop until he's not Cam Newton anymore. Um, and we'll Correct. see if he can keep himself healthy, if they can keep him upright. Um, the offensive line did look good, um, but uh, we'll see how long it can hold up. And I, I guess the other big question is, is there enough volume? I mean, the... The volume was very concentrated on two guys this most recent game, Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman. So I think owner or uh, managers of those players um, are probably okay with what they got. But I worry um, if this becomes the uh, blueprint for the Patriots, if there's enough volume to keep uh, even one guy happy for an entirety of a season. Um, obviously yeah, I want to see how this that, game, but sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just was going to say, I want to see how that, uh, works itself out there offense when they're playing a bit of, of a more competitive counterpart on offense, when a, they're facing a team that's keeping up with them scoring frequently, like the dolphins kind of a real dud offensively yesterday. So they when they get a game goals. against the Ravens or the chiefs or someone that's moving the ball and scoring some points. Uh, how does the Patriots offense change if they have to drop back and pass a lot more than they did? It'll be really interesting to see. I think that'll lead to a lot more James white targets. He only had three targets, a little disappointing for white owners, but, uh, but I think his role will be pretty similar. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a team that I want to watch a few more times just to get a better feel for. But uh, on the Miami side of things, uh, real dud for Fitzpatrick in his season debut. Uh, how quick of a hook do you think he has and how long till maybe we see some Tua time? I think they knew with by starting Fitzpatrick, I think they made the acknowledgement that we might go to the playoffs this year, but we aren't winning the Super Bowl. So I, I still don't okay. think there's going to be any rush. Um, I think at best we're looking at week five, maybe week six. But I think more than likely uh, we're talking more in the double digits. And I want to see him okay. play more than anybody else. But uh, I don't know why they would rush it in this in this type of season. 
Yeah, it certainly wouldn't have been an ideal game to debut him in at Foxborough against a tough Patriots defense. So I can certainly see why they didn't start him week one, but I'm a, just a little curious if we see another game like this from Fitzpatrick, if uh, Flores gets a little uncomfortable and wants to just see what he has in Tua. But the issue is, um, once you go to Tua, it's going to be really hard to go back if he has his struggle. So I kind of agree. I think they're going to be patient. Um and Flores seems like the kind of guy that's in it for the long haul. Smart coach. Coach I'm actually really high on. So I think he'll play it smart and and won't rush him till the time's right. Well, that's the funny thing is is they went what, five and eleven or four and twelve last year, and he was still able to kind of gain equity because they were supposed to go 0 and sixteen and be the worst team in NFL history and right. yada yada and they yeah. upset the Patriots and I'm I'm with you. I like Brian Flores a heck of a lot, and um, I th- I think they'll do the right thing and kind of give him some time. Should we move on to uh, to to Washington and Philadelphia? Yeah, let's do that. Um, another game that I really only caught uh, bits and pieces of. Um, this goes out to Jake Krugel, the only Eagles fan I know. Um, I don't know what I was going to say, but rough start for you guys. Um, you had a 17, nothing lead and then 27 unanswered for the football team, uh, which Dan Snyder actually said is possible that they keep that name. So maybe get used to calling them the football, the football team. team. Hmm. I don't hate it. It's kind of a European soccer feel, you know, Washington F- yeah. FT, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the I think uniforms actually pretty sharp. Oh yeah. They look helmets. great. Yeah. I love the helmets. The helmets were, were nice looking. Um, and nobody looked nicer in him than Chase Young. Um, holy cow, did he he and that defensive line just – I mean, could, there might not have been a worse matchup Philadelphia could have seen week one, um, considering True. all Especially, the issues. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, with all the issues they've got going on the O-line. Yeah. Um, so, um, tough matchup for them. He took advantage of it. Uh, Allen, Payne, Kerrigan – uh, Bostic. I mean, they were all getting in there. I think they had eight sacks as a team. Um, but Chase Young was the highlight of it. He looks unblockable. There's, there's something different when you watch him play. Um, and it didn't, I mean, you only had to, he's a guy you don't need to watch very much to know that he's good. Um, and so that I wanted to start with that. I think probably the most interesting fantasy thing, because we had no miles Sanders and, uh, because Peyton Barber, poached uh antonio gibson twice which i'll get to in a moment was was uh dallas goddard and zach Ertz. um goddard obviously had a had a fantastic game he had a 34 yard touchdown reception where he makes a beautiful adjustment over the shoulder um, there was two completions early in the game um, both were on what i would consider a high low concept with zach Ertz. Um, and both times the, the defender that they're trying to put in that two on one situation chose Ertz and Goddard got open because of that. Um, there wasn't anything Ertz really did wrong here other than he had a very costly drop on a fourth down conversion. Um, I gotta be honest, this Eagles team gives me a lot of worries because Carson Wentz, I mean, bless his heart. He was trying his butt off out there. Um, but he was, he made some inaccurate throws. He's under pressure constantly. I just have a hard time seeing with some of the injury problems this team has and continues to have and has had. Um, I just have worries that, that they are not in a good place, uh, right now. 
in or you know and trying to make the playoffs and Ertz may become more expendable than than we sort of thought at the start of the year when we were hearing contract uh how much of this game did you catch and do you have any takeaways uh of your own Newts? yeah um and that was i, I kind of wanted to uh, mostly agree with you on the eagles point you just made um that's a team that I was kind of fading this year, just in general. Not every piece, but I, I, I'm with you where I'm a massive Dallas Goddard fan. I got some shares of him, which he's really kind of the only guy that I really want on that team right now. Um, I mean, I do like Miles Sanders, uh, health concerns aside. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think they need to just tweak things a little bit with their personnel. Uh, they just can't seem to find a receiver that fits what they want to do. Maybe Rager becomes that. Um, he did have a 55. A yeah. He had a 55 yard play in this last yeah. game and actually uh, Carson missed him deep um, on another play. Um, but you sort of touched on the not being able to find the piece. They were trying to throw it to uh, John Hightower who they brought in. Um, Jay Jaws is utterly invisible. I don't know if he just never gets open or Carson doesn't trust him, but he played a decent amount of snaps and I don't think he drew a target. They just, they don't have anybody beyond the two tight ends. And if, if teams are going to choose Ertz over Goddard, I mean, Goddard played about 80%. If I, I haven't looked at the numbers, I bet if I had to guess 80% of the snaps. Um, and so uh, whether or not he is the top tight end or not, he might be uh, fantasy viable again this year uh, based on this performance. Um, well, in my but, mind, sorry. No, go ahead. Keep going. If if I were doing rankings and making a list of tight ends and who I would want to own going forward, um, in Dynasty, I would certainly put Goddard ahead of Ertz at this point. But I'm thinking I may even do so in a in a redraft league. Like I am so high on Goddard, and I'm kind of souring a little bit on Ertz because of it. I'm and I I don't want to like dislike one just because I like the other. But I think Goddard's the better talent at this point. At this and point, yeah. I, I mean, you can disagree with me if you if you don't no, agree with I, that, but I, I have a feeling you do. I don't. I mean, he's the significantly better player after the catch. He's the more physical player at the point of attack, so he's more useful in the run game. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of things that Dallas Goddard has had uh, as a plus on Zach Ertz for a while. Um, It's just Ertz has always had such sticky hands, and he runs good routes. But, you know, like I said, he dropped the fourth down. I just wonder how soon he becomes expendable for this team in what might be a lost season where they need to build up the O-line, if they could get, you know, a second, or especially if they could get a first for this guy, I mean, I would think they would take it running to the bank. Speaking of tight ends, Logan Thomas had a uh, touchdown. Um, One of the guys that kind of was a deep sleeper for some, Danny asked us about him last weekend, or last uh, week's pod. Um, And... I actually liked some of the things I saw, but don't get too carried away. The touchdown was an absolutely blown coverage. Um, nobody picked him up. He just basically was able to run a corner and turn around and settle down in the back of the end zone. Uh, sure. So, uh, But he did make a couple of tough contested catches over the middle. Um, and while I'm not going to project anybody to be Darren Waller right out of the gates, he has some of the things going for him that Darren Waller had going for him last year where – there is a big target vacuum there. Somebody's got to get him. And he's an athletic, big, 
you know, big kid. He he can go make some plays, and I was I was slightly impressed to uh, to see Logan Thomas out there. Um, aside from that, unless you got anything else, I'm kind of I that was kind of all the things I had for this game. Yeah, I think uh, we should uh, we should move on to uh, Raiders Panthers next. Ooh, this uh, was a fun act- game. Actually, before we do that, why don't we take just a quick break and give you a word from our sponsor, which uh, is to be named later. But uh, for now, let's just take a little quick break, give you some sweet transition music, and we'll be right back with uh, Raiders Panthers. To the Dynasty Oasis podcast. Uh, Quick programming note for uh, today's episode. Uh, We just realized we're running super long on some of these recaps, so uh, bear with us as we kind of get used to our timing. But rather than uh, drop an hour and 45-minute podcast into your laps, uh, we decided to kind of break this up into two parts. So for this episode, we're just going to finish out the the slate of the noon games. Um, and then we're going to record uh, another episode tomorrow night where we finish off the rest. And that'll give us a chance to get our eyes on a few more games that maybe we haven't seen yet. And uh, we can break down the Monday night games for you as well, because we are currently watching the Broncos and the Titans. So we'll have a we'll have a breakdown on that game for you uh, on tomorrow night's episode. So so with that being said, uh, let's uh, move on to the, uh, excuse me, I almost said Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Carolina Panthers, um, a game that I haven't had a chance to watch really anything other than the highlights, but one that I will probably be watching back tomorrow, uh, the debut of Teddy Bridgewater in uh, Carolina and um, a kind of a coming out party again, if you will, for Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas um, I think you said you watched this one, didn't you? Yes, I did. And, uh, it was one of the funner watches. It was actually the game that I started with this morning. I was excited to see Teddy. Um, I was excited to see rugs cause I knew, you know, I had seen one or two of his plays on red zone, but I really wanted to dive in and see uh, a little bit of Henry rugs. Obviously you talked about it. Uh, Josh Jacobs stole the show here. Um, just tough to tackle. Uh, got the edge on a couple people. I know there's some questions about his speed. He has more than enough speed to play at this level. Um, one really, really nice arrow route on a, uh, a pass catch. I believe it was about 25 yarder. Um, he looks like the total package. Obviously he's not going to score three touchdowns for you every week, but, uh, it's, it's pretty clear why they cut Lynn Bowden or what I guess traded Lynn Bowden. And, uh, it's the Josh Jacobs show here. Um, on the other side, I don't think you need me to tell you that Christian McCaffrey is good. Obviously, another one of his standard, traditional, you know, 100-plus yards, a uh, couple catches, couple touchdowns. Um, really the thing, well, I wanted to highlight two things. One, Robbie Anderson is a perfect complement to this offense. Um, obviously, everybody's seen the big play he made, uh, but also had a couple tough in-breaking routes over the middle of the field. It seems like him and Teddy have an early rapport. Um so I thought that was one thing that was interesting. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out was the the young safeties. And I know this is a dynasty podcast and not everybody plays IDP. Uh, the two young safeties for these two teams, Jonathan Abram, who was on the IR for the better part of last year. Um, it was fun to see him back. Uh, when he hits people, it, it sounds different. Kind of like, uh, you know, they talk about baseball players when they hit a ball. It just sounds different. When you hear a John Abram hit. It sounds different. And there was, he got two or three chances in this game to really pop the pads. But the other guy that's probably less known by people, because John Abrams was a first round pick, 
um, was Jeremy Chin, who I believe went in the second round this year, if I'm not mistaken, but out of Southern Illinois. I believe he, so, yeah. He apparently started at straw or at weak side linebacker. Um, but what I saw was a guy who played free safety. He played corner. He played, uh, you know, kind of in the nickel, I guess I should say. Um, he played inside linebacker, and he was around the ball often. So um, good for this Carolina team that's lacking some playmakers on defense. Um, the other one matchup that I wanted to to watch was uh, rookie Derek Brown, who I loved coming out of um, Auburn uh, versus this Las Vegas O-line. And um, while I don't think we should, you know, cast Derek Brown aside, he really uh, – took it in the in the teeth from uh, some of these Oakland uh, interior linemen. Rodney Hudson seemed to have his way with him all day. This Oakland line looks like um, the line we thought they were two years ago when they were compared next to Dallas. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a good Raiders win. Um, and uh, it looks like maybe the future could be bright there. Um, Newts, did you have anything you wanted to add on Raiders Panthers? Well, not specific to the game, but there was a point I kind of wanted to bring up, uh, when you were talking about the defensive players, you kind of apologized, uh, a little bit just for talking about defensive players. And I can't remember if we touched on this in our first episode or not, but even though we're calling ourselves dynasty Oasis and we are going to be focusing more on the dynasty leagues for fantasy football we do want to just talk football from time to time and if you are a fantasy football nerd like us uh these things are relevant uh you want to know your defenses you want to know your offensive lines because it's going to factor in when you're deciding between two equal players who you want to start you're going to want to pay some attention to these things and i don't think we should be afraid to talk about um defensive performances offensive line performances because even if it's not relevant to your league um in a individual basis it is kind of in a meta sense so i don't think we should shy away from talking about uh, defensive players when we see it as being relevant. So, so kudos to you for bringing that up. Uh, I think uh, we should definitely not be afraid to to talk some defense here. From I couldn't time have, to time. yeah, I couldn't have said it better. It's it, you know, uh, m- one of the big big knockers in this game is Matthew Barry, and one thing he always says is, "Give me a, a a fantasy fan compared to an NFL fan, and I guarantee you the fantasy fan knows more." And that's absolutely true. Um, the more players you know, the more you know about these teams and these schemes, the better you're going to be able to evaluate individual matchups. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to talk a little, you know, D-backs. We're going to talk some linebackers. We might even talk a little O-line. Um, and that's maybe where we should go with this, With you know, to segue to this next uh, game. Uh, an elite Colts offensive line that's that's uh, was supposed to be blocking for two really good running backs. Uh, maybe lighter by one. I know I covered this uh, this game, but uh, just give me your quick reactions to Marlon Mack. How you know? Are you a, a fan of him? Is this just better for Taylor? What are your takeaways? I mean, none of us cheer for injury, obviously. Right. Yeah, and but, that's uh, the disclaimer you need to make. Yeah. Is I don't. I'm not happy that he got hurt. I feel bad for the young man. Um, I did own him in uh, in a guillotine league just because I figured he'd be useful early in the year before Taylor kind of established himself. But he looked quite um, useful early in this game. Yeah, absolutely. 
But yeah, I figured he might be a guy plug and play for a couple weeks before I started vulturing other teams that didn't make it. But now it might be my team that doesn't make it because Marlon Mack got hurt. So we'll see. Um, but that being said, um, my biggest takeaway from this game was just I don't understand why the Colts leaned away from their strength. And I know maybe they were a little shell-shocked by Marlon Mack's injury, but uh, 46 pass attempts and 22 rush attempts against the Jacksonville Jaguars makes absolutely no sense to me. I think that was a completely mismanaged game by Frank Reich. Uh, really, really wanted to see them just pound the rock down their throat, use that badass offensive line, excuse my language. Uh, I just, I didn't understand the game plan at all. Um, they, I, I might be a little mad at them for costing me uh, some money in an eliminator <laughs> pool and, uh, and a few wagers that I made, but, uh, but I still think the point's valid. Like I, that's just not how they're designed to win football games. So why make old man Phil throw the ball 46 times? I, I just don't get it. Yeah, it makes almost no sense. And, you know, if they were going to throw it because they were, you know, the running game was working and they were going to take some vertical shots downfield, but they just checked it down to running backs all game. If if all you're going to do is check the ball down to running backs, why not let your offensive line get involved? You know what I mean? Try to create some, if, if that's all the better. I didn't see Rivers take one real shot down the field. Um, yeah. Did T.Y. Hilton dropped a few passes here in this game? He looked like... Um, you know, a little bit like he was struggling to find it. Um, Michael Pittman Jr. made a catch early, um, but was kind of invisible the rest of the game. Um, not a ton of real positive takeaways on this Indianapolis side. Um, Rivers obviously likes to throw the ball so to the running backs, I should say. So uh, maybe that is the one positive you can draw is that, uh, Jonathan Taylor, now that he is kind of unopposed, might get a lot, a lot of targets um, this year. Um, yeah, and Naheem's, Naheem Hines' value certainly skyrocketed as well, too, because they're always going to be a team that I think is going to use two running backs. I mean, how much different is he really talent-wise from Austin Eckler? I don't think he's that think, far off, right? I think it's pretty close. Uh, he's, you know, 90% as good as him probably. So exactly. it'll be interesting. Um, he may end up being a league winner for some people. I agree. And then uh, I, real quick on the Jacksonville side, um, LaVisca looked really good in his debut. He's a guy that I think yeah. they're going to find clever ways to get involved. Uh, DJ Chark did catch a touchdown, wasn't super involved. Uh, Gardner Minshew in general looked good when I think you compare the two quarterbacks. Um, Phil can still make some of the throws, but Gardner moving around can can create a few things with his legs. Uh, he looked pretty good to me, actually. And then uh, the big takeaway on the Jacksonville side is James Robinson kind of looked like the real deal. Um, early on in the game, he was just slicing through the defense. I don't think the stat line... Uh, quite reflected how good he looked early on. Um, and then he really displayed some better than I think anybody expected athleticism on a screenplay late where he was able to hurdle uh, one of the Indianapolis defenders. Um, he's a kid that I really liked coming out of Illinois State. And uh, I'll be curious to see how this continues uh, as, uh, you know, Reichwell Armstead gets healthy he's still available to come back if i'm not mistaken so we'll have to see when that happens but for right now 
he is the guy, and I kind of liked what I saw. Um, anything else you want to touch on in this game, or should we move on to our final matchup? Yeah, before we move on, I just want to um, say that I'm extremely excited that Melvin Gordon just fumbled because I am <laughs> the biggest Philip Lindsay supporter on earth. Uh, I think he's better than Melvin Gordon. I've been saying that all offseason. So, uh, yeah, let's go Philip Lindsay and screw you, Melvin, for signing with the Broncos. Perfect. Right. More on that game to come tomorrow. <laughs> uh, we'll finish with uh, Cleveland-Baltimore. Um, how much of this game did you get to see? Uh, just highlights, unfortunately. Uh, okay. I, I want to watch the, the Ravens uh, play a more competitive game. I'll, I'll watch this tape. Uh, so I might have some stronger takes, um, but certainly looked like a, like a nice debut for, uh, for Mr. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, Getting some, I mean, limited carries, but scoring twice. Always happy to see that. Uh, it's going to be a muddied backfield situation for uh, Dobbins and Ingram owners, though. Um, how do you choose which guy to start if you own both? Or how do you choose to start either of them in, in your fantasy leagues when you have multiple options? It's going to be difficult maybe kind of trying to pinpoint the weeks to play each one of them. Um so, um, pretty interested in uh, seeing how the Browns perform against um, a defense that I, I think, or against a different defense from the one they just played. I think the Ravens are probably one of my two favorite defenses in the NFL right now. Um, so they didn't really have much of a chance yesterday. New scheme. Uh, limited preseason i think it was going to be a tough time for them so i'm not going to hit the panic button too hard on the browns um but that being said this is a ravens team that i think are true super bowl contenders um i'd be afraid to play them at any point in the season i mean lamar jackson kind of pooped the bed the last two playoff appearances he has had but i i think this is my current pick to win the super bowl right now so there wasn't anything that i saw yesterday to change my mind on that so no um, i know you yeah, quite the contrary. Uh, they looked fantastic yesterday. Lamar, I mean, he reminds me so much of Michael Vick. The the arm action, the way he moves, he is so much fun to watch. Uh, I'm I'm a Vick fan and supporter, by, for the record. Um, but on on the on the Cleveland side, Chubb looked really really good early. Um, I actually do think they fixed some of their O line issues. Um, but obviously they fell out of this game so quickly that there was, there was no chance to keep that, uh, that part of the game going. Um, I think there'll be a lot of concern over Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, as you alluded to the Baltimore defense is about as good as they get in the league. Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters is about as good of a combination of corners as you're going to find. Um, certainly not a defense you want to get one dimensional against early. No, and actually Odell was missed on a deep ball by Odell or by, by Baker where he was able to separate late, um, throw was too far downfield. Um, so, and, and he drew a couple penalties on passes where he basically had to be tackled in order to not make a big play. So while I think it's another disappointing stat line and I think people are going to write the narrative of here we go again with Baker and Odell, um, I think, to some degree, Odell owners need to to show a little a little calm here. Um, uh, I guess the last thing I'd say, because you know you touched on J.K. and Ingram pretty well, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, situation there the rest of the season. Is Patrick Queen looked like a four year veteran? 
Um, late in the game, he's uh, they've got Chubb held up, and he comes in second and strips the ball out, you know, kind of rakes it out of there. Um, he moves really, really well. I didn't see a lot of false steps, and I was I was kind of paying attention to him because um, he's another exciting young linebacker we've got, and uh, he uh, he showed out. Um, I was I was very impressed with him. Um, other than that, I don't have a heck of a. Oh, and then I'm sorry, I do have one more thing. Mark Andrews is is really really good. Um, yeah. The one handed catch was stupid. He ran this this. Uh, well, it started out as a deep in, and then he turned it upfield and ran to the corner um, and made a contested catch uh, later in the game. And it was just it was an unbelievable play. Lamar really trusts this guy. He and and I guess the other thing that the box score doesn't show with Andrews is uh, they left him out there with his hand in the dirt on rundowns a lot more often this year. And that's going to mean he's, he's more involved in the play action this year. And that should scare defenses big time because of the big play threat he is over the middle. So um, definitely wanted to finish with, with, with Andrews. Do you have anything else on this game or should we wrap this thing up? Well, one last uh, point I kind of wanted to make before we do call this uh, call this a night is to backtrack backtrack a little bit to Odell. Um, now might be a sneaky good time to sneak a few old trade offers out there in your dynasty leagues. Uh, try and buy low on this guy. Uh, I know his owners have got to be really frustrated with him right now. Um, but yeah. if you if you acquire him today, you didn't have to deal with the past year and a half of nonsense. Uh, so maybe break out them poop emojis and try and <laughs> try and throw a little sneaky offer out there uh, to land Odell onto your squad. Um, I I may try and do something myself. Um, kind of like. I kind of like the idea of trying to buy low on a few Browns right now. So I don't know if you agree with that or not, but either way, uh, certainly, uh, certainly always recommend if you like a guy on a team where things aren't going so well, if you like the talent, maybe just try and buy at the low point, you know, it makes a lot of sense Buy low, sell high, not breaking news there, but this is a situation where I think it's worth a shot. Um, Sometimes well, at least go it's explore. Just, yeah, I yeah. think. And, and just, just kick the tires on Odell and see what somebody's looking for. Um, because I would imagine, I mean, does Cooper Cup get it done right now? I mean, there's certain guys out there, I think, that are, you know, right on yeah, the that's fringe a... that I think you, you know, and maybe Odell will never eclipse what he did as a rookie and a second year player, but. The talent is still there. I just think there's a few different names you could throw out um, that that an Odell owner might actually take right now. Yeah, that's a tricky one for me because I am a big Cooper Cup supporter, and Same. I do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do own Cooper Cup in uh, in our contract league that we're in together. And just thinking about that after you mentioned it, like if that trade were offered to me, even though I just said to go and try and buy low on Odell. <laughs> I'd have a hard time pulling the trigger on that. Um, but that's also due to my situation where I feel like my team's a true contender this year. I don't know if that's the kind of move I need to be making right now. But sure. And that's another thing when you're evaluating trades and trade offers is you got to think about what you're trying to accomplish this year in your league. If you're in a dynasty league or if you're in a redraft league, it's harder to trade in redraft leagues, but in long-term, you know, leagues where you hold players for a long time, trading becomes 
a lot more interesting when you're you're throwing rookie picks into the mix and if you got to really be honest evaluator of your your team at that point in time do you have a chance to contend if you're just going to be kind of a middle of the road team would it make more sense to try and build your team down the road these are things um that i think are always worth thinking about when you're negotiating a trade is how does this affect me now how does this affect me long term and which one's more important to me I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think that's a good place to stop it. We're watching Noah Fant just just tear it up right now. Um, And I kind of wouldn't mind getting back to that. So why don't we sign off here, Newts? Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Let's all enjoy some Noah Fant and Philip Lindsay uh, (laughs) love here. Uh, Guys that if you had listened to me, you would own. Um, So (laughs) remember that for the future. Uh, Another great catch by Noah Fant as I watch him streaking down the field. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, let's log off and uh, have a great uh, rest of your day. I'm assuming you're listening to this on your drive to work. If you still work in a place that is not at home. Let's throw in a few quick cheap plugs while we're signing off. Uh, I don't have anything to plug, but you can follow me on Twitter at Nasty Newts and uh, read Josh's stuff. It's really great. Uh, You'll learn a lot about tight ends. You can find his article at DynastyNerds.com or dot what? Yeah, DynastyNerds.com. Yep. Beautiful. And check Um, out the site for all the different stuff they got going on. It is a Dynasty website, but just like us. They have uh, they want to talk football in general, so there's a ton of good IDP stuff. If that's something you do, there's a lot of good redraft advice. Uh, just go check out the website. There's plenty of good stuff on there. Um, and I am at Dynasty Oasis. If you want to ask the show a question, reach out to us on Twitter. I've got my direct messages open, and we're always uh, interested in your feedback. Um, with that, have a good night and uh, enjoy the rest of this. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday.